This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We'll be talking to Scott Renyard from the Green Channel, an interesting new idea for streaming content on TV. But first, here's some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Even though BC's Premier says the government will come down on COVID-19 rule breakers like, quote, a ton of bricks, he isn't saying just how. Speaking this past week, John Horgan said fines won't be changing, though the province is looking at ways to deal with people who don't seem to care about a financial penalty. Horgan used the example of the condo owner in Vancouver who was holding parties that he called a makeshift nightclub. He also brought up the police officer who had a, a, his leg broken after a confrontation with a man who refused to wear a mask. Hargan would only say that the full force of the law will come down on the rule breakers, especially those who are violent. A tiny bit of good news for renters in a city where renters could use some good news. The overall vacancy rate for apartments in Metro Vancouver has increased by 1.5%. Seems small, but that's the highest increase year to year since 1999. Uh, Our vacancy rate overall is now at 2.6%. Downtown apartments saw the highest increases in vacancies, while the vacancy rate in suburban areas with lower rents actually decreased places like Abbotsford and Mission. And despite it being a little easier to find an apartment, you have to pay for the apartment. And CMHC says there are still lots of challenges when it comes to affordability. In fact, uh, the average household earning $47,000 or less per year could only afford less than a quarter of the places that are available to rent on the market. And somewhere out there, there's a millionaire who doesn't know it. And if he or she doesn't figure it out by midnight of March 18th, they'll be out of luck. Someone bought a lottery ticket in northern Vancouver Island last spring but hasn't claimed it yet. BCLC is encouraging players in a news release who purchased a ticket for a March 2020 draw in that area to check their tickets for the winning numbers. And that region includes Alert Bay, Telegraph Cove, Port Hardy, Cole Harbor, and Port McNeil, among other places. All lottery prize winners have 52 weeks from the draw date printed on their ticket to come forward to claim their prize, and all tickets are valid for one year after the date of the draw. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and there is a new channel on TV these days. I guess channel is kind of an archaic term. It's a streaming platform, but it sounds pretty cool. We'll talk to the folks at the Green Channel when we return right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And uh, like a lot of us in these COVID times, you may have found that you have reached the end of Netflix. You've used it all up. Uh, there is a new streaming service in town, and it's, it's a lot different than Netflix, and it's a lot more interesting. And with me now is the founder of The Green Channel, thegreenchannel.tv. Scott Renyard is with us. Hi, Scott. How are you? 
Hi. Well, it's good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, I'm really looking forward to not only hearing the story of the Green Channel, but hearing your story, too, because you're a filmmaker and uh, you've become, uh, I guess, a broadcast uh, streamer with the Green Channel. Uh, why don't you just, because uh, I think I'm not alone, I'm just learning about the Green Channel now. Um, why don't you tell us really briefly what the Green Channel is? Well, the, the Green Channel is a Canadian SVOD service. It's uh, very much like uh, Netflix, like you said. Uh, we launched in uh, July of 2017, and uh, we're on the web. Um, and uh, we acquire and produce and uh, launch content about the environment. And uh, primarily our content now is, is uh, documentary and, and uh, factual-type programming. But we are now sort of moving into uh, a new phase of the, of the company, and uh, we're going to be launching uh, comedies and dramas and, uh, and other types of, uh, of programming for the channel. That's great. And there's some incredible work being done documentary-wise about the environment, some really beautiful films. But uh, the challenge is they're expensive to make, uh, they're hard to be profitable, and they're hard, it's hard to see them. But I guess with the Green Channel, uh, it provides a platform for that. Absolutely, and that's what one of the things that we've been. I mean, that's what inspired me to 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 create the Green Channel. Is as an environmental filmmaker, I was finding it harder and harder to place these, uh, to place my films and and to uh, and and earn a living. And so I wanted to sort of create a platform that environmental uh, filmmakers from across Canada and even around the world would have a platform that they could find an audience, and then over time we would have a subscriber base that would support larger and larger budgets so that our and our environmental stories and voices would um, be able to carry on in their career. Right. And for people who are kind of curious about The Green Channel, they can go to thegreenchannel.tv and you have uh, like a free week, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a free week. A lot of streaming services do that so that uh, a new subscriber could test out their device and be sure that... Uh, the the, um, the the streaming service works for them, and so uh, we have uh, right now a free month, and it may not last. Uh, we're considering uh, going to a free week, which is what most of the streamers are doing these days. Um, and uh, but it gives you a chance to test us out and uh, and to see if you like the service. So if you go to the Green Channel, uh, what 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 do you recommend the play, place to start is? What's your hottest show on the platform right now? Well, the, the hottest uh, show in our newest release was uh, something called uh, Save the Planet Already, and it's a comedy, um, and it is uh, adults only because uh, it is a, an adult content kind of a story or a, a film. Uh, what we did was we challenged seven uh, stand-up comedians to basically uh, tell jokes about the environment. And uh, so we had a live night, and uh, they got up after uh, having the uh, the idea in their head for a couple of weeks, and they told jokes about the environment, and it came out uh, really well. Wow, that that's great because the first thing you think of when you're you know, and it's an environmental platform with a lot of documentaries about the environment. The first thing you think of is not necessarily a comedy. I love that. No, actually, and it really, uh, I mean, it feels right to to sort of laugh about the environment because. There's a lot of bad news about the environment and climate change, and we have a lot of concern, and we have a lot of serious films about that. But we wanted our subscribers to also be able to come to the channel and, and have a laugh and relax a little bit and, and laugh at some of, our, uh, some of our problems. And then at the same time, they'd be able to sort of then turn on something a bit more serious. We're talking to Scott Renyard. He is the founder of The Green Channel. 
You can find it at thegreenchannel.tv, and I'm glad to learn that it's not just a depressing thing. There's a lot of a lot of fun content on it as well. But I want to talk about your story, Scott. Um, it's it's very interesting. You're not you know like a uh, you don't come at this as a TV executive. You are a filmmaker. You've made a lot of documentary films, but you started as a scientist. You went to UBC. That's right. I, when I was at, uh, uh, I went to UBC as a, and took a, an undergrad uh, program with a major in botany and, ge- and geography. Um, and uh, after I got my bachelor's, I went on to the planning school there and did a master's in national resource management and regional planning. And my goal was to become a regional planner. And, uh, and I was concerned as a child about how resources were being used and how the environment was uh, uh, being impacted by our resource uses, and that's where I sort of saw myself um, when I was growing up. Um, and then, just as I was about to graduate, I think it was uh, the Bill Vanderzam government uh, eliminated regional planning as one level of government. Just as uh, I was about to graduate, and I went, "Wow, what do I do now?" And um, a friend of mine called up and said, "How would you like to come and work on uh, Just a Missing Kid and drive a truck and..." and do salads and desserts for a film crew. <laughs> so you and started I, I, in the catering went, truck. <laughs> I know, and I went, I've never even heard of that before, So, um, but sure, and uh, how, do, how much does it pay? And he said, well, apparently it's 900 a week, and I said, I can't drive there fast enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> as a poor student, I was like almost uh, right out of cash, and so I showed up, and um, uh, the, the guy, I mean, I was expecting to drive something like a, a bread van or something like that, and... And I showed up on site, and I'm standing inside this 40-footer with a, a big tractor-trailer unit. And I said, so where's the truck I'm going to be driving? And he says, well, you're standing in it. And I said, really? And then uh, he said, well, when do, you, when do you guys think you're going to have to move this? And he says, oh, we don't have to move it for a couple of months. I said, yeah, I can drive it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so in that two-month period, as soon as, the, as soon as the bosses were gone, I um, talked to some of the, my Teamster friends on the show and said, could someone show me how to drive this? <laughs> and that's how I got into the film business. And I started to, um, we worked two shows. And by the end of the show, uh, the second show, um, uh, there was, uh, I think they fired the chef and they let me go too. And I says, well, that's not fair that I should be let go. And he says, oh, well, we'll make you drive Bonnie Bedelia, who is a, the big star on, on the next show. And um, I said, sure. And next thing you know, I was in the film business, and I was working in transportation, and I did uh, publicity, and I ended up working as uh, Winston Records' um, executive assistant on the Neon Rider series. Oh, wow. The great Winston Record. Oh, he was a wonderful guy. I mean, we, we became very good friends, and uh, I worked uh, the entire series. I think I did all 60-some-odd episodes. And then on the very... And I wrote the very last episode. Oh, wow. Um, and that gave me my taste, and I thought, geez, you know, I'm, I'm liking... The writing and the challenge of that and so I started to write drama scripts and was pitching here and there and I sold a couple of uh, scripts and and then I thought well if I want to get something made because it seems like a lot of things go into turnaround and development forever I um, formed uh, Juggernaut Pictures which is my production company and we then started to work on uh, different projects and and um, my first environmental film, truly sort of investigative environmental film, which is kind of where I like to be. Um, I was sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner with my mom, and I said, you know, I'm looking for a story that, you know, I could do and I could take to Banff and pitch there. And 
And she says, well, why don't you do the story about Miracle? And I says, well, who, what's Miracle? And she says, well, it's the baby killer whale that Peter, her husband, Peter Termer, had give, been given permission to film uh, when it was rescued up in Menzies Bay. And I said, well, is there any footage? And they walked in the other room and pulled out this old sort of dusty box, and there was three reels of reels of um, 8-millimeter footage of this baby killer whale uh, on death's door at the Oak Bay Beach Hotel pool. Wow. And so we ended up, we ended up, uh, I said, okay, can I license it? And they said, here you go. And they just gave it to me. <laughs> so I went and had it all digitized and, um, and, uh, that started that particular project. And, uh, it went on to win a best nature, uh, doc at, uh, the Yorkton film festival. Um, and, uh, was an honorable mention in some pretty big other festivals that where I was competing in like the BBC and Nat Geo and everything else. And, and that was my first taste of doing an investigative environmental film called Who Killed Miracle? And that's on the Green Channel. Yeah, I was just going to say, so Who Killed Miracle, uh, I'm guessing, but you just answered the question, is on the Green Channel. And we're talking to Scott Renyard, who is the founder of the Green Channel, which is thegreenchannel.tv. That's the website, thegreenchannel.tv. You can go and have a free trial. And it's... Um, an online streaming service that showcases investigative and thought-provoking environmental films. There's also comedy on it. And uh, I love the idea, as we just heard, because when you think of a streaming platform, I think of somebody like Jeff Bezos or some guy munching on a cigar who decides they want to get in on the streaming business. But you've come into this from a very organic point of view as an environmental filmmaker. Oh, absolutely, and it, um, and you know, it was as I said earlier. It's, it, I, what really inspired me to sort of do this was I felt that environmental filmmakers were were marginalized and were having and were, were struggling to sort of make ends meet and also to sort of disrupt, uh, find uh, good distribution. And um, so the goal is, and this is one of the things that our subscribers do for the Green Channel, is that by subscribing, effectively you're helping the environment. You're helping. The environmental voices you're helping environmental stories and when you subscribe that money goes right back to those filmmakers uh, in the form of licenses and the more subscribers I have the higher budget I can afford to, to and higher license fees I can afford to pay and that's where I'm I'm feeling that over time uh, the Green Channel will have its impact and um, I mean I'm uh, I have grandchildren and I want to make um, uh, do my part to sort of make the environment a better place. Mm-hmm. And it's got kind of an interactive uh, uh, model to it, the Green Channel. Um, explain about your strategy for, for working with filmmakers uh, who want to be on the Green Channel. Well, there's a, there's a couple of different ways. Um, the Green Channel is um, we acquire films. So if you've got a finished film, you can put your film on the channel. Uh, we typically have a non-exclusive license so that the filmmaker can still go out and try and sell it elsewhere to try and make themselves as whole as possible. Uh, we also um, uh, commission, so we're just starting now to do low-budget shows where uh, if a filmmaker approaches us with a really good idea, uh, we try and support them in any way we can in terms of uh, uh, getting development money through the various envelopes that are in Canada. Uh, we are also looking at... Um, uh, working on internal projects, so projects that we developed inside where we have our own crew and we then end up shooting um, projects like Save the Planet already. Mm -hmm. 
It's Scott Renyard, the founder of the Green Channel. And you can go to thegreenchannel.tv and you can uh, check it out for free uh, and you can try it. And I guess uh, when we come back, let's talk about uh, how you can get the Green Channel, because it's not that hard, uh, though I, I, I remember trying to teach my dad how to work the PVR, and it was so frustrating, and I thought, oh, how can you not get this? And nowadays, there's so many streaming things, I don't know how anybody can figure it out, but we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll talk about the stuff you can see on the Green Channel with Scott Renyard when we return on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking to Scott Renyard. He's the founder of the Green Channel, and you, it's, a, it's a streaming platform. It's uh, not unlike Netflix. Uh, it's an online streaming service that showcases investigative, thought-provoking, environmental film content dealing with uh, the environment, but it's also... Uh, very entertaining. There's funny stuff on there. Uh, and Scott, you were saying that the, the kind of the hottest sh- show on there right now is uh, Save the Planet Already, which is a comedy. That's right. Save the Planet Already we produced uh, last year and, uh, and we launched it in the fall. And um, it's, uh, it's quite a hit. People are really enjoying it. And the humor is, is uh, I mean, they were hilarious. I, I really didn't know what was going to happen when you say to seven comedians, you say, listen, you can tell all the jokes you want, but they have to be about the environment. And I wasn't sure how that was going to go, and, um, and they batted it out of the park. Yeah. It's really, really funny. Oh, that's great. And uh, you can go to thegreenchannel.tv to sign up for uh, a free trial. And I, I guess this would be a great thing in your home if you had uh, school-age kids as well. I think kids should be put in front of this once in a while. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, we, most of our content is family-friendly, and anything that isn't family-friendly family on our um, channel, there's a warning. So a lot of, a lot of streaming services do that. So, um, but uh, we are now looking at uh, children's programming. We have a couple of other programs that we're looking at purchasing as we speak. So we hope to have a children's folder in, uh, in the near future. And, um, uh, and some of the films are, um, are very funny and very good for kids. Right. Could be a good teaching aid. Yeah, and uh, that's one of the things that um, uh, I guess most people look at our channel and think of us as, uh, as an education channel, and we have a huge component of that. Right. But like I say, there's some, some great content on it, and it's, uh, you've got a big reach as well. Tell us how, who, who gets the Green Channel. Well, our reach actually is uh, beyond our Canadian borders. You can see us all across Canada, but also in the United States, in Europe, and also in Australia. So um, our content um, reach is, is that large now. Uh, we hope to expand that over time. But if you happen to have a subscription and you're in one of those countries, you'd still be able to access the channel, say, if you're on holidays or something like that. Right. And it, it's not like Netflix where there's, it's different, <laughs> Canada and other countries? Uh, actually, that's interesting. Sometimes in other countries, uh, depending on uh, the license that we have from some of the acquired content, you will have, um, maybe there's a conflict in terms of distribution in a particular country. So we have that, like in Europe, for example, I think there's 40 some odd countries that we, that we air um, and sometimes the filmmaker sells their, their uh, film in France and it's not available, so we geo-block that particular territory. So if you're there and you can't see a particular film if you're in Europe, then that's the reason. But um, we work really hard to try and have uh, as much access 
uh, in our entire sort of broadcast area as possible. And what's the biggest challenge for a streaming platform that people might not think uh, about, but you as the, as the founder of the platform, what's the biggest challenge for a, a platform like the Green Channel? Well, the biggest challenge actually is access. Access uh, it was something that um, I never really thought about when I first started this, uh, project, uh, this, this channel. What happens um, with all the various devices is uh, you want to have something that's very interactive and very easy for people to sort of access the channel. So you have to build apps for all the different devices. And uh, there's about 15 different devices that would uh, give, us full, give people full access depending on what device that they have. So we're in the process right now of building more access. Right, we're, uh, We already are on Apple, so we have an Apple app, and you can uh, access us on iPad, iOS phones, and on our um, on the Apple TV box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are currently working on Roku TV apps, and uh, we hope to have an Android app um, up and running by the fall. So that's um, that's the biggest challenge, actually, was the access. Hopefully one day when you go in to buy a TV, on the remote, there'll be a green channel button. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be fantastic? And that's what uh, ultimately would be the goal, so that people would have ready and easy access to environmental content so they could support the environment with a push of the button. That's right. And, and the remote would be made of hemp. Yeah, sir, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we're always looking for ways to lower our footprint, and a lot of the content we have on the channel actually is um, low-carbon foot tr- footprint living. And uh, so we're all very aware of that, and we, we're working hard to always uh, improve our footprint as well as the channel. Yeah, and you were just talking, one of the films that you can watch is about a woman in Seashelt who, who tried to live a completely fossil fuel-free life, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Oh, it's, it's very, very difficult. And yeah, the, the film is called Food and Fuel, a Story of Resilience, and it's a 22-minute um, a documentary and we compare what happened to Cuba when they lost access to fossil fuels in what they call the special period. And uh, we compare it to, the, to a woman that's living in Seashelt in a 110-square-foot house and, um, and the difficulties that she was having um, with not only um, regulations and, and, and um, the local government, she was also uh, trying to figure out how she could grow enough food on her plot and how could she, how could she share labor with other neighbors. And so it's a very, very interesting story. And, uh, and that film will, will um, launch uh, very soon in the next month or so. And what's the one thing that people might not think about if you're, if you're not using fossil fuels? I guess plastic is out. Well, that's it. You know, like, you know, plastic is out and uh, anything that would burn fossil fuels. And so she was uh, doing everything by hand. She was gardening by, with shovels and, and uh, wheelbarrows. And, you know, so and uh, her house was very, very tiny. Um, but um, uh, she has given it a go. I, I don't know where she's at now, but uh, uh, she had already lived four or five or six years like that um, before we started filling. And it's one of the films that will soon be on the Green Channel. Uh, you can go to thegreenchannel.tv and uh, you can get a free trial and check it out. See what's, see what's happening on the Green Channel. Uh, so what about new content? Is it, is it a challenge to get new content? I know you, you put up new stuff every week, right? That's right, actually. And um, uh, we launch a new film, uh, new to us, uh, every week on Wednesday. And... Um, when I was looking in the paper uh, a couple of months ago, I was surprised to see how 
you know, like we launch you know, somewhere around 50 to 55 titles per year. And um, we would rank very high in terms of the number of titles of all the streamers that, that stream in Canada, including Netflix and the other big ones. So I was quite proud of uh, what we were able to achieve with, um, with such a small staff and, and a new channel. Um, I would like to double that, and I'm hoping that in the year, in, by next year, that we're maybe launching two things a week, so there would be 100 new things per year. Um, so, but that is a big challenge, finding the films, uh, getting them delivered, uh, transcoding them, and going through all of the technical things that we have to go through in order to make it stream properly, um, and uh, providing all of the other sort of um, posters and advertising materials so people can actually see it and understand what that, that film's about. We're talking to Scott Renyard. He's the founder of the Green Channel, uh, a streaming platform. It's been around for a couple of years, and it's uh, just starting to explode now. Um, and what does a streaming platform look like? That's a funny thing to me. I, I mean, I see a lot of streaming platforms, watch a lot of TV on different platforms, but what is the physical presence of a, what do you What do you need to have a streaming platform? Well, a streaming platform is, uh, is there's a lot of um, technical aspects to it. Uh, you have to have a website, so you have an interactive um, location for people to find you. Uh, it has to be interactive enough so that uh, people can select the film that they want to see. And usually the content is broken down into different genres so that uh, you can try and narrow down your search if you have a particular interest in, in a type of film that you want to see, or maybe perhaps a particular species. Um, it is also a, um, a technical challenge in terms of making it work through all of the di different devices and so that you don't have a lot of buffering. So we actually um, uh, are on uh, Amazon Web Services and, and their servers so that wherever you are in the world, you'll be able to access the channel without delay. So there's a lot of different components that have to sort of all fit and, and uh, fit together for a streaming service to actually work. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing a lot of computers. A lot of computers, a lot of uh, a lot of technicians, uh, and a lot of special skills to to make a, a streaming service work seamlessly. And uh, when we first launched, it was challenging. Uh, we were all learning because I had a new crew, and um, we were all sort of learning each other's skill sets and trying to figure it all out. But uh, within the first four or five months, we worked most of the bugs out. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Scott Renyard from the Green Channel. Uh, the GreenChannel.tv is the place to find it. And if you just joined us, uh, Scott is a filmmaker himself, uh, an environmental filmmaker. Uh, well, I guess one of your most famous films is The Pristine Coast. Yes, The Pristine Coast, uh, it uh, made its launch in, uh, at uh, the Vancouver Film Festival in 2014. Uh, that film... Um, was a three to four year project because uh, when I first started to to look at that issue, I was a, a sports fisherman on the Vetter River, and I noticed a lot of fish were floating down the river, silver bright and and dead. And I, at the time, I thought, well, geez, what are the fishermen doing to kill so many fish? I couldn't believe it. And um, I happened to be listening to the news, and I believe it was CKNW, <laughs> and uh, and I heard a story about a woman named Alexandra Morton, and she had said that there was something going on up in the Broughton Archipelago. And um, she had actually appeared in uh, Who Killed Miracle? She was uh, a whale researcher and uh, happened to be uh, at the Vancouver Aquarium, and I met her and I interviewed her for that film. 
So I had a bit of contact with her, and so I called her up and I said, so Alex, what happened? You know, what's happening up there? Do you think it could be, you know, something could be happening as far away as here? And she went, well, geez, maybe there is. And so we started to talk about it, and lo and behold, it looked like these fish were dying of some kind of disease. So I started to sort of do more research and got actively involved in, and started to form a film project. Well, when she decided to walk down Vancouver Island in the big protest that happened in, I think, uh, 20, I think it was 2012 or 2011, somewhere around there, it was a big protest that she walked down Vancouver Island. I started to film it, and uh, and uh, after about four or five days of filming, she showed me this photograph of a herring, and the protest was about salmon and, and the impact on salmon, and um, and here's this herring bleeding from its eyes and bleeding from its fins, and I was, immediately my science sort of kicked in, and I went, well, if it's affecting salmon and herring, what other species are are being affected? And before I knew it, I was uh, researching all finfish species, not only on the West Coast, but also on the East Coast, and looking through uh, all kinds of documents and papers, and and realized that this impact that we were seeing and this disease that we were seeing in fish populations was much bigger than anybody realized. And I ended up producing the pristine coast that looked at the impact of fish farms and the incubation of diseases on those farms and how it was, infect, how it was in, infecting wild fish populations. And anything with a fin seemed to have had an impact. And so that film then went on to um, um, go into quite a few festivals and uh, and then we launched it on the channel. And uh, one of the things that I'm quite proud of is that that film was taken by an MP to Ottawa and showed uh, copies of that film to all of the politicians and decision makers. And it helped me sort of feel that this is one aspect that film can can contribute to the to the dialogue of a difficult situation, and that's uh, inspiring political leaders and decision makers to look at an issue in its entirety and then hopefully um, make changes to protect the environment. Mm. And um, and I, I know for a fact that when I met the Minister of Fisheries uh, after that MP had taken that film to Ottawa, he said, I've seen your film, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the power of a documentary is profound. And uh, The Pristine Coast is just one of the pieces of content that you can find on The Green Channel. Go to thegreenchannel.tv. You can sign up for a free trial period. Uh, Scott, I wish you all the best with The Green Channel. And uh, I, I think we're going to hear a lot more about Thank- it. Uh, well, thank you so much, and thanks for taking the time uh, to talk about it. It's uh, it's definitely a passion of mine, and and as we say on the Green Channel, you know, how would you like to help the environment by lying on the couch? And <laughs> <laughs> so simply by subscribing, you're helping the environment. You're helping the environmental stories be told, and um, and we can all contribute to you know hopefully a better planet. Thank you, Scott. Scott Renyard is the founder of the Green Channel, the Green Channel TV. And you can uh, help the environment by lazing around on the couch. It is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Time now to ask Andrew. And uh, I know that every year there's an electronic music festival, an EDM music festival at BC Place called Contact. It usually goes around Christmas. But they've uh, actually pushed it to 
uh, next month? Yeah, so it, and it's weird. Time makes no sense to me anymore. Next month is next week. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's I didn't, true. I didn't even realize until this morning. Yeah, that's true. Next month. I, I, like it, 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 it snuck up on me. Like, yeah. Where did January go? Anyway. And, and also, this is a music festival. How are you going to hold a music festival uh, at BC Place in COVID days? Yeah, so usually contact happens like on Boxing Day through New Year's, and it's usually it's an EDM, it's Electronic Music Festival, uh, you know, with the performers and the stages and the raves and all that. Yeah. Uh, but that's obviously not happening. So contact, instead of going, well, I guess we'll just cancel it. Uh, they decided to say, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll one-up it. We'll, make it. we'll just make it cooler than ever. Um, so what they're going to be doing is they're going to be literally ferrying performers to the roof of BC Place, like in the open air, wow. to be performing. Uh, and all the performances, it'll be a, a special series of sets. Uh, these are happening next uh, Saturday, February 6th. So maybe after you're... Uh, done listening to consumer if you had some dinner you can tune in um you can tune in live on twitch it's a streaming platform uh one that i'm very well acquainted with right. uh, a lot of young a, long, a lot of a young folks like <laughs> myself are well acquainted with it uh but it starts at 7 p.m uh, and it's streaming at twitch.tv slash monster cat uh and monster cat is literally just how it sounds it's just monster cat no spaces no nothing um it's the only name that I recognize, actually. Monster Cat's the only name I recognize of all of the performers. Maybe this is just me being older now. Right. But uh, when it comes to music festivals like this, the uh, the, 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 the group of, of performers is just strange. I barely know what EDM stands for. Yeah, so that's another generational gap right there. Um, the organizer said uh, in a news release that this will be the first time any artists have performed on the, quote, 204-foot iconic Vancouver rooftop. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so is is there a live element? Will there be people outside listening, or is it just something you would take in online? You take it in online. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that's really cool. The festival. This will be completely free to listen to. You don't have to pay to watch this on Twitch. Um, you can also purchase hoodies, uh, a contact hoodies, and a portion of those proceeds will actually go to the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. Oh, cool. So, you know, I definitely encourage you. Uh, if you don't know what EDM is, give it a listen. If you hate it, that's fine. At least you tried. Um, <laughs> Like I always say, always try. Don't never don't knock it till you try it. Oh yeah, you can knock it after you've tried it. Yeah. Um. But if you're if if you like EDM, if you had tickets to uh, to contact, I know a bunch of people who are looking forward to it this year. Within the pandemic ruined it. Uh, you can now watch it for free, I guess, and you can still buy merch. And part of that merch um, money will go to the food bank, so you can kind of give yourself a little pat on the back for helping support a, a good local initiative. Again, this is next Saturday at seven p.m. Uh, on twitch.tv slash monstercat. Sounds very cool. Thank you, Andrew. That's Andrew Ferreira, the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And uh, that's it for us. We'll be back next Saturday at 2 o'clock. See you then. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.